Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, Eric Barger continues his series looking at what the Bible really says about socialism, and Marvin McIlvaney will have a special Bible in the News report. Watchmen on the Wall is heard on almost 700 radio signals across America, as well as OnePlace.com and as a daily podcast. Take Watchmen on the Wall with you by downloading our free mobile app. Visit your app store and type the letters SWRC in the search bar. The SWRC mobile app has hundreds of archived programs as well as the latest program available to you. The SWRC mobile app. Download it today. Now, here are staff evangelist Josh Davis and today's guest, Eric Barger. On yesterday's program, we introduced you to the ideas of Marxism, communism, and socialism, and we saw how that they have destroyed millions of innocent lives during the 20th century, and today there is a resurgence in allegiance to this way of thinking. Even some Christians claim that the Bible endorses Marxism. And so to help us understand these important subjects, we are glad to welcome back to Watchmen on the Wall Eric Barger. He's the founder of Take a Stand Ministries and has been a frequent guest on Watchman on the Wall. So, Eric, we are glad to continue this conversation with you. That's great, Josh. I'm glad to do it. And people want more information about me, uh, just ericbarger.com is the best place to go, ericbarger.com. My name all run together with no spaces or underlines, and they'll find all of our information. Yes, that's wonderful. And friends, we do encourage you to check out his website, ericbarger.com. We'll pick back up in our conversation, but friends, I do want to encourage you, if you missed yesterday's program, you need to go back and listen to that. You can find it on our website, on the podcast platforms, etc., etc., but it's an important conversation that we're having because of the influence of these ideas, these concepts that are infiltrating our higher education, our world, our governments, the policymakers today are really pushing this viewpoint once again. And Eric, how do we see this resurgence of Marxism, socialism, and communism in our world today? I think first thing you look at is who the political leaders of a nation are and what are the stands they have about freedom and about freedom of speech, freedom to own property, about being able to make money and invent and create and work. I mean, that's the whole thing. If somebody told me that I could have all my needs met and I don't have to go to work for it, and it's going to get taken care of by checks from the government or taken care of in some way by somebody else, our fallen human nature gravitates to that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. And communism just strokes that idea and says, the many who have more money than you that will take care of anything that you need in your life, a lot of people just decided if I have an apartment and a cell phone, that's all I need. I got news for you. That's not what the human heart needs. Right, right. <laughs> That's not what the creativity inside of us needs. It doesn't give us, doesn't give us the fulfillment of life. It sounds great for at the beginning, especially if you're somebody who's already tired and you don't want to work for anything. But, you know, the Bible's very clear about this, and I'll get into this later if we have time. I'm, I want to run through why we believe the Bible does not teach socialism, and I want to spend plenty of time on that at the end of this program. But the Bible says a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of us deciding that we will use what God gave us, which is our brains and our bodies, 
to be able to procure a living and to make a living for ourselves. It's not about putting it off onto a government or onto the the bulk of human society around us to take care of us. Yeah, and several historical figures have warned us of the dangers of Marxism and communism. What were some of these warnings from these characters in history? Tell you what, there's a lot of them. You can go way back, and I'll give you just a couple, three here, but the great English leader Margaret Thatcher said, socialism is great until you run out of someone else's money. Mm. What a what an astounding statement, but so true. Winston Churchill said, socialism is the philosophy of failure, the creed of ignorance, and the gospel of envy. said that in 1948. Mm. Man, was that ever true? Yes. That, that is exactly right. Yet here we have in America in, 19, or in 2010, 2010, the Pew Research Group said that 29% of Americans had a positive reaction to the word socialism. And I believe that's because they've been educated at some point to believe it is the best system to take care of the masses. But it creates a system of wealth at the top. The few at the top in a socialistic system lord over the many at the bottom, doling out to them as they see fit. This is not trickle-down economics. It's not the idea of I can create and I can invent, I can write great songs or symphonies, whatever it might be, great pictures, or I can be the best welder or the best plumber I can be. This is about taking away your ability to control your destiny. Mm. A lot of people, I think, might be afraid of that, but I think that's one of the greatest things we have in a free market system is the ability to control our destiny. And not only is these ideas infiltrating our government, our higher education system, we also see it infiltrating the church. I was once in a conversation with a man. He was almost screaming at me at the time, saying, if Jesus were walking this world today, he would be a socialist. Is that correct? Would Jesus be a socialist? No, and I'll answer that if you want to get into that part of it. I, I do want to give a quote by James Madison. He was the, uh, yes. the author of the Constitution. I mean, this is one of our founding fathers. He made the statement that may run, it may rub people wrong to start with, but he said outright democracy, as much as a monarchy, is a problem. The word democracy sounds great the way people use it, but democracy leads to, could lead to mob rule. However, people vote. Ben Franklin made the statement, once the people figure out they can vote themselves money from the treasury, the nation is finished. Mm. And he, he understood that, as did Madison. Founding fathers knew that if, if the system of belief that people had would give them the ability to vote in people who would then give them whatever they claimed they would give them, how do politicians get elected today? They claim they're going to do something for you. Yes. They claim they're going to build something for you. You know, Karl Marx said democracy is the road to socialism. I'll say that again. Karl Marx, the founder of communism and socialism, said democracy is the road to socialism. Hmm. Now, it may sound weird to start with, but Vladimir Lenin, not long after that, said the goal of socialism is communism. So when you put these statements of these leaders together, that's very, very pivotal statements that both of them made, Marx and then Lenin, that democracy leads to socialism and socialism leads to communism. 
and I believe they're correct in this. I don't think those are misstatements. I think that's exactly the case. And I point that out in the DVD. Mm-hmm. And these are, of course, backed up by the footnoting that I've done and, and trying to make sure people understand. These, these are my ideas about what somebody else said. This is what they said. This is just about what Klaus Schwab, the founder and leader of the World Economic Forum, came up with in his book, The Great Reset. Yes. And the idea that we will own nothing and like it mm-hmm. by 2030, I believe he said, we will own nothing and like it. Well, I got news for you. That's, that's not going to happen that quickly. But he wants that to happen. The idea that we would own nothing and then be taken care of by somebody else and we'll be happy to let them do it. That to me, this is socialism in its worst form. But this is, this is what we see from a lot of these people who have decided that if they can convince people to buy into to a socialist system, then they would be able to put themselves in the driver's seat and have control. I made a statement a minute ago about a republic. In a republic, an official set of fundamental laws, like the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights, that prohibit the government from limiting or taking away certain inalienable rights of the people. Even though the government has freely chosen, has been freely chosen by the majority of people, we have a republic form of government, and it is a brilliant idea. And I, I mm-hmm. quote, uh, or I, I credit Madison, and I've quoted him often in talking about this. I'm so glad that we live in a republic form of government because it gave us the Constitution and Bill of Rights, and we still have that system in place. When people talk about democracy, yes, we can vote for whoever maybe does the best job of advertising their desires or their platform. But if we ever get a socialist communist leader in our White House or somehow a majority of them in our Congress, we're in trouble. Hmm. We're in trouble. Democracy, Ben Franklin said, is is two wolves and a lamb voting for what they'll have for lunch. Mm, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and isn't that true? So what we need is to be thinking and understanding that it's just not about who will give us something. It's about what that means in the end. The ideas of voting those ideas in, voting the idea that we can have whatever we want just by electing the right people, we better think about what that means because the taxation of people is how they'll make that happen. Nobody's going to pull that money out of their own pockets. Mm-hmm. Politicians are going to raise taxes to be able to try to make these things happen. So we need to understand that, and that's why I, I vote conservatively, because I want to have a system where we can use the income that we have to be able to forward what the Scripture says and thus win souls for Jesus Christ. We need to be the people who are, who are very interested. In fact, I wrote in my newsletter this month that we need to be very interested in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Yes. That is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples and baptize those in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are able to do that because we have a free market system, and it is direct opposites at loggerheads, if you will, to communism and socialism. Mm -hmm. It's not something that helps people. It's something that actually slowly but surely destroys people, and we need to see that. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that the modern missionary movement that we saw, especially from America, from Great Britain, also had to do with the timing of the founding of our country and 
the great economic booms that we experienced here and the promulgation of the gospel around the world. Friends, we're visiting with Eric Barger, and we're discussing his important DVD, a new DVD that he has available called Socialism Versus the Bible. You can pick up a copy of this DVD teaching by calling us at 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit us online at swrc.com. Again, that's swrc.com. You can connect with Eric and his wonderful ministry at his website, ericbarger.com, ericbarger.com. Eric, let's continue to discuss the role of Scripture and socialism and, and these kinds of concepts. Sure. I think the first thing we have to look at was the very pinnacle of the teachers of the Bible, obviously, is God incarnate, Jesus Christ. And so was Jesus a socialist? You know, your friend or whoever it was that yelled at you, whether he was a friend or not, yeah. that yelled and said Jesus was a socialist. Well, the Bible doesn't prove that out, even though there is an organized group out there called Christian Socialists, which to me is like saying Christian cocaine or Christian pornography. They're two words that don't go together. Mm. People erroneously believe that Jesus taught that we should give away all of our earthly belongings. Well, that's not at all what he taught. That wasn't a condition to become his follower. Jesus instructed his disciples to sell everything, they say. Well, that's not true. He only did that in one case, and he did it for a good reason. The rich young ruler that we see talked about in the Scripture, Jesus encouraged him to go and do that because he already knew the man's heart, and he knew that his possessions were more important than following the Master, than following Jesus. And, and Jesus understood that. In Acts chapter 4, it states that the church had all things in common. They try to stand on that, Christian socialists do. I have to question that and go, wait a second. It also teaches that people owned homes and land, and they sold those things. Yes. You mean they actually had ownership of those things and then went and sold it? Yeah, that gave them the freedom, the right to be able to do that. So mm -hmm. they had all things in common, but that doesn't mean that ownership of houses or ownership of stuff, whatever that might be, would be wrong. It says they met together and ate and had meetings in Acts chapter 2, and they went from house to house daily. Well, somebody had to own those houses. Yes. Somebody had to own those houses. And that's, that's been a concern because when Christian socialists say that Ananias and Sapphira were struck down for the wrong reasons, they don't say they were struck down because they had lied to the apostles. They lied to the apostle Peter. No, they were struck down supernaturally in their quest to look like they were spiritual for selling something and then lying about it. Mm -hmm. They misconstrue what Scripture says, and the Christian socialist movement, thankfully, isn't very widespread. But, you know, it's surprising to me that people could convolute what the Scripture says with socialism so easily. In Acts chapter 10, and Paul again in Acts 17, it says that uh, he and Peter stayed in homes. Mary, Martha, Lydia, Jason, in Acts 17, Philip, the evangelist, and others, they all owned homes. So it's not wrong to own a home or have possessions. That doesn't say anything, though, about greed and, and the lust for power and the lust for money and possessions. But communism teaches what you have is mine, mm -hmm. and what I have is mine. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. 
Socialism requires a redistribution of the wealth. And it was based on this prearranged idea of thievery, which is what socialism really is. And we can't even begin to obey the, the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not steal, unless we accept the premise of ownership of private property. Mm-hmm. What's there to steal if, if everybody owns everything, right? Yes. So how is personal stewardship possible under socialism? Well, it's not. It's not. Just that simple. Mm. It's not. The parable of the talents tells us that in Matthew 25. Covetousness and greed, those are things that the Bible teaches against. But the free market system, I guess we could say, is the lesser of two evils, if you want to call free market capitalism an evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. The Christian socialists are kind of hanging their hat on that passage in First Timothy chapter 6. But money isn't the problem. Possessions right. aren't the problem. It's our mindset. And it's also what, what have we done with that? If we were tithing, if all of us were giving that minimum, the start, that place in the Old Testament, 10%, you know, that's only a starting place. When people say, oh, don't talk to me about that Old Testament passage about tithing. Well, let's start there because in the New Testament, God owns 100% of everything you'll be glad to go back to the Old Testament 10%. <laughs> mm. And people, people don't realize that that's a starting point. You know, I hope to go beyond that. I want to be a giver with what God has given me. And I realize I'm one of the places where people give too, but I want to be a giver as well. I don't think that I would be in ministry today after these 41 plus years. I don't think I'd be here doing what I do and seeing all of the all the expenses and bills in the ministry being paid for through our contributions and through the sales of products that we produce that all go to one place, and that's to just take care of the ministry and keep us going. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't made the decision, if Melanie and I had not made the decision, that we weren't just going to give a tithe of what was left over from our ministry after we paid the bills. We were going to give a tithe of what we got before we paid any bills. Hmm. And that's the, I think the difference is that we made a decision to be givers. It's a mindset. Yes. Socialism and communism, as you know, Josh, does not, it does not create a giving mindset. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, friends, we're talking with Eric Barger about his fascinating and important DVD, Teaching Socialism Versus the Bible. You can pick up your copy by calling us at 1-800-652-1144, 1-800-652-1144, or visit us online at swrc.com. Eric, what do you hope that the viewer will understand after they watch your DVD teaching on socialism versus the Bible? Well, I hope just the history of this, it's important that we, if we didn't know it before, that we get the history of communism and socialism, but that if we knew it, maybe we just need a review about it. So we understand this is still a system that's alive and well, especially in our university system in our, in our country here today. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is when somebody says Jesus, as the person said to you, that Jesus would be a socialist if he were here today, that's simply not true. That is an affront to who Jesus Christ was and what the teachings of the Scriptures say. And so I hope to give enough scripture and enough evidence, especially toward the latter half of the DVD, so that people will understand what we believe and why we believe it. That is the 
that's a keystone statement for any apologist, and that's yes. what I've done all these years, is give reasons for faith. What we believe and why we believe it is important. And when we see somebody or hear someone make a statement that Jesus is a socialist, we need to come right back with answers for them. And that's what I've tried to do is lay out in systematic order at the end of the DVD, what can we say to somebody who believes that or says that? A lot of times, you know, people just kind of make it up as they go along, and they've heard somebody say something just like maybe in a college classroom, and they, they think, wow, it sounds like a great idea, and they've hung their hat on that without realizing where where the hat rack is. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand where the hat rack is. We need to understand what it means when we allow those kind of thoughts to stand. And every Christian has a, I believe, a biblical, not just a right, but also it is a privilege and even, should I say, it's mandatory that we're able to give an answer for our faith, a reason for why we believe what we believe. First Peter 3.15, be yes. ready always to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. We have a lot of great hope. This system, the free market system, is the best thing we're going to have until Jesus comes back and sets up his earthly kingdom. It'll be a completely different situation then. All things will be made equal, if you will, at that point in time. But as long as the sinful hearts of men are in control, you can count on inequality happening no matter what they claim. Mm, That's true. And Eric, we're just so grateful for you and this ministry and this message that you are delivering to us. Friends, this is so timely and so needed. We encourage you to pick up your copy of Socialism Versus the Bible, the DVD teaching by Brother Eric Barger today. Thank you, Eric, for joining me on Watchmen on the Wall. My pleasure, Josh. Thank you. Eric Barger's complete two-day presentation on Socialism Versus the Bible is available on CD. Order your copy today when you call one 800 652 1144. That's 1 800 652 1144. And make sure you get a copy of Eric's brand new DVD, Socialism versus the Bible. Helping Christians answer questions about socialism and what the Bible says about it, Eric Barger discusses socialism, communism, and the myth that the Bible endorses Marxism. Socialism versus the Bible is available today when you call 1 800 652 1144. You can also order on our website, swrc.com. This DVD is designed to help Christians answer questions about socialism and what the Bible states. So order Socialism versus the Bible today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Marvin McElvaney comes to the microphone now to share an important Bible in the News report. We read in Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22, but the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, How shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. In 1995, Robert Metcalf, founder of 3M, said, quote, The Internet is just a fad. I predict the Internet will soon go supernova and in 1996 catastrophically collapse. Close quotes. 
Hollywood film producer Daryl Zanuck of 20th Century Fox said in 1946, Viewers will get tired of television. The appeal of television will be short-lived. People will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. And what about Dick Rowe of Decca Records? He told Brian Epstein, manager of the Beatles, that, quote, guitar groups are on their way out. His name is still synonymous with catastrophic commercial misjudgments. And so it is with people who try to predict the future. If they were speaking in the name of the Lord, they would be dead in the old days. So let's check in on another so-called prophet, Mr. Al Gore. Al Gore, the one-time vice president, said in December 2009 that the North Polar ice cap would vanish within five to seven years. He said the chances were 75% the North Polar ice cap would be completely ice-free. You may say, well, what do you expect from the guy who said he invented the internet? 16 years ago, Al Gore premiered his famous movie, An Inconvenient Truth. He won an Oscar for that movie. In his movie, Gore predicted that the sea levels would rise 20 feet with the melting of the Antarctic and Arctic ice sheets. The oceans are pretty much the same as they've always been. Al Gore said that polar bears were dying. He was right about that. They die when they get old. Al Gore's latest prediction is the worst yet. He says that unless people listen to what he says about the climate, there will be a billion climate refugees. That would be roughly one-eighth of the population on Earth. Guess where these climate refugees would go? Across our border. No, I'm just kidding. Gore went on to say, we still have the ability to seize control of our destiny. And added, we can do this if we just overcome the greed and political power of the big fossil fuel polluters. That's right, Mr. Gore. Those bad old fossil fuel polluters are greedy and have all that political power. Let me ask you, Mr. Gore, how's that electric car thing working out? People are just racing out to buy electric vehicles, aren't they? How many of those batteries would it take to make a train move? Or how many batteries would it take to make a semi-truck move? Have you seen the holes that are left while digging for lithium for the batteries? Carbon dioxide emissions don't just come out of a tailpipe. Electric cars emit CO2 both in their production and during their charging. First, the production of electric batteries requires lithium, cobalt, and manganese. Manufacturers end up expending a large amount of energy on mining and processing these raw materials. Converted to pounds, these numbers are between 23,000 and 32,000 pounds of carbon emissions for each battery. If the electricity being used to power the electric cars is produced using fossil fuels, then using electric cars is simply shifting CO2 emissions from the tailpipe of the car to the electricity power plant. The only one who controls our destiny is God Almighty. Revelation 11:18 says, Thy wrath is come, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Eric Barger's brand new DVD, Socialism Versus the Bible, is today's featured resource. Helping Christians answer questions about socialism and what the Bible says about it, Eric Barger discusses socialism, communism, and the myth that the Bible endorses Marxism. Socialism Versus the Bible is available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. You can also order on our website, swrc.com. Tomorrow, 
Author and teacher Rob Linstead will help us better understand the book of Revelation. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.